Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Hi, Shannon. Hello, Jamie Hill. Shannon and I are a married pair of working artists. And this podcast is our weekly date for getting on mics and talking with one another and with our community about stuff that matters to us. We're so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. How about we dive right in with some announcements? Announcements, announcements, announcements. Jaunty, it's a nice way to start things sure, off. Sure, yeah. I've got one announcement. What is it? It is that uh, in something that feels a whole lot to me like spitting into the ocean, <laughs> Shannon and I are <laughs> donating all of the sales from our online merch store this week to U- to Ukraine. Um, you know, the whole drop in the ocean thing, they need so much help. We will not make a lot of money with this, but I want you to know, we want you to know that anything that you purchase this week at shannoncurtis.limitedrun.com, you, you can also get there via shannoncurtis.net slash store. That's, That's pro- probably easier probably to remember. easier, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll just send it directly all the profits from that directly to uh, to Ukraine. Yeah, you know, the, we have already made, you and I have already made a personal donation to yeah. internal refugees. So we've already given some of our own money and it wasn't a lot. It was what we could do. Married pair of working artists. We already yeah, mentioned that. But it's important to do what we can when we can. And we know, we realized after a few days after we gave that donation, like actually we, maybe we could do more in donating some of our goods that we have in our store to essentially we'll be, you know, sending those to you for no profit to ourselves because anything that you spend, we're going to pass on. So our community does such a great job at rallying um, in times when we need to rally. And we just wanted to give you an opportunity to rally with us here. You know, Mm -hmm. like... I keep reading people, you know, and I'm going to talk with talk about Timothy Snyder again later in this podcast. He's uh, relevant to one of the topics I want to talk about, but he's a an Eastern European historian. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a lot of knowledge about Ukraine and Russia specifically. Like learned Ukrainian to study Ukraine. Yeah. Like that level of historian. <laughs> right. He's a super deep guy. Yeah, and, you know, he's been such a great resource in this time pointing toward things about how to how to understand what's going on with Putin and with Russia and with Ukraine mm-hmm. um, from a historical perspective from a you know a, a, from a fascist perspective like like what's going on you know with with, with what's what Putin's doing from that and, perspective. and from a cultural perspective too because right. he understands in a I have learned the language to do so way right. what the culture is and what it represents right. and where it came from mm-hmm. I mean he goes back a thousand years sometimes yeah. talking about how things have evolved he's <laughs> yeah. deeply learned so like he's somebody who really has a handle on the the seriousness of the situation and the, the gravity of it. Yeah. And I keep hearing him say over and over, look, even if you can't do much, do it because every little bit does help. And yeah. it is true, you know, like it, it is a massive tragedy that's happening there right now. And there's not a whole lot that normal folks like you and me can do about it. You know, I, I can endlessly scroll Twitter for news and get myself all worried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not really helping. And, and don't get us wrong. We are doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but this is a little something that we can do. And and the fact that um, what is happening in Ukraine right now has the potential to impact the entire globe is a really good reason for as many of us who can get involved with helping can do that. Because the more the more that the, that, that the Ukrainian people can resist this attack by Russia, the, the the longer that they make it 
draw out because Russia is not making the advances that they were hoping to. Mm -hmm. It's possible that that means that there, it's less likely that this will proceed into a full-blown world war, yeah. hot world war, yeah. you know? like This is the first line of defense. So this is just a little something that we can do. Let's, let's you know, and, and so, yeah, this is a great time. Go just stock up on some vinyl. If you've been like waiting and not, we've got a really great vinyl bundle. It's 60 bucks. Five vinyls. Five vinyls. That's an incredible deal. All of that money will go to uh, Razom for Ukraine. I'm not even sure if I'm saying their name right, but it's a it's an, a, a Ukrainian volunteer organization. Mm -hmm. They are based in Ukraine. They actually started after uh, uh, Russia invaded Crimea in mm -hmm. 2014, mm -hmm. the, the Crimean portion of Ukraine. Um, they started then as a group of volunteers to aid one another through that crisis, and they've kept going. So they really know where the needs are, who yeah. who needs what in the country, and their partner—they have really great partnerships with the U.S. and with Poland mm -hmm. um, in actually getting resources to people. Uh, I think specifically they're focusing right now on medical mm -hmm. um, needs. So, anyway, ShannonCurtis.net/store. Go buy stuff. Maybe you already have everything in your collection. Buy gifts. From this. This is a great opportunity to gift people that you love. There's teas, there's totes, there's CDs. If you're still a CD person, I know some people like to play them in the car. We yeah. have everything, including up to this last year's record, 2020-101 on CD. Yep. We have random stuff. We have button packs from 2017 <laughs> that are actually really cool. We have some like a bunch of sticker things. There's, just, there's all kinds of stuff. So go nuts. There's books that w uh, went with uh, Shannon's records from, I think, 2015, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of them is a coloring book. Go color, do adult coloring. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so um, this is all through Friday. So any any purchases through Friday, March, what is that, the 11th, I, I believe don't know. it Friday. is? Friday. Friday, March 11th, uh, uh, we will donate all, your, all of your purchase money to Razom for Ukraine. Great. Thank you. Very good announcement. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a joint announcement. We did a good job. Mm -hmm. High five. Mm -hmm. uh, Jamie, how are you feeling today? Well, thanks for asking, sweetheart. Uh, you know, uh, two different ways, okay. as is so often the case lately. It sure. seems like you know, uh, a little, a little positive, a little negative. Sure. Uh, on the positive, I'm feeling excited. Uh, yeah. We are starting a new record. Uh, well, the day this podcast comes out, Wednesday, with our very dear friend Ben Shaw. I made a record with him in 2015 that I have just always loved so much. Mm -hmm. And we're going to make a much more ambitious, much better funded record this time. <laughs> cool. Just meaning that we have more time to work on it together. Mm -hmm. We did the first one in a really scrappy kind oh, of yeah. way, real quick, real down and dirty, but we got it done. It was great. This this one, uh, he wanted to make a considerably longer body of work, and it's mm -hmm. very thematically interrelated between all the songs. It's a concept album, cool. you know, and concept albums tend to work the best in my experience if you're able to take the time to really work with uh, what we call in music leitmotif, <laughs> which is like recurring musical or sonic elements, oh, yeah. you know, that that join songs together. Like, we use some of that in some of Shannon's stuff. Absolutely. You know, like on her 2014 record Metaforma, every time a horn appeared, it was to symbolize hope, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's stuff like that that you can do with records to make it so that there's like just little themes, yeah. little, little things that you pick back up on. So uh, we hope to be able to do just a whole lot of fun stuff like that. I'm excited for all of it. And we're yeah. starting uh, on Wednesday. Very exciting. And so you're excited. What I'm else? excited. And then on, on the other side of things, I'm just you know, a little tense. Mm. You know, uh, Ukraine stuff is tension 
producing. Yeah. <laughs> Provoking. Yeah. And, and I have been provoked and I'm tense. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's that. Not much more to say about it than that. It's, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Just, yeah. a little, just a little tense. Yeah. How are you feeling? I've got a few items on my list. Uh, m- mostly my overall feeling is equanimous. Is that how you say that word? Wow. You're feeling something you don't even understand fully. No, I had to look up how to say it. And then that's how you say it. You, equanimous. Equanimity is the word I'm more familiar with. You yeah. Know, but it's even-temperedness, really, yeah. is, is the way to say that. And I like I, like I was I was going to maybe go for content, but that just, that had, it had too much, content even had a little bit too much. Uh, Contentment. Yes. Like mm-hmm. I, I just feel, I feel even. I feel, you know. Calm and composed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do overall, which I'm really grateful for because I really do think that this is the result of me uh, putting to use the tools that I have to deal mm. with the second feeling that's been occurring for me, and that's just wariness. Mm-hmm. I feel wary about stuff in the world, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel obsessed with it. I, you know, when when the invasion first happened, I was really like sort of tunnel vision on just that, and like yeah. consuming lots of news, and you know, realizing over the last couple of weeks that. I need to really choose wisely how much information I take in, how frequently I take that information in, how I can get the information that I want to stay updated, but not let it take over my emotional and psychological life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I've been really trying to use my tools. <laughs> it's weird. It's not weird. It's it's interesting that the record we're making right now on, you know, finding peace of mind and agency during difficult times. It's, I mean, like, we're four songs into it. We'll be releasing the fourth song this week. Um, you know, it, it's it's great. It's good timing <laughs> to be really <laughs> digging in to those tools because, and, you know, there were other things going on in the world that, that prompted me to want to dig into this topic before mm-hmm. this war started. But, man, I'm really just needing to double, triple down on on that work yeah. and it's working is what I'm trying to say. So I, cause I, I really do feel while there is a wariness sort of in the background, I do generally feel mostly equanimous. equanimous. Yeah. Yes. And that's, that's a good new word for us to put into the vocabulary repertoire. Um, and then also I feel the last thing I feel is optimistic and that's more um, related to sort of our personal home life here. I was feeling uh, a couple of weeks ago, knowing that this new record that you're going to be starting tomorrow with Ben mm-hmm. was coming um, and knowing how busy I feel with with making my record, mm-hmm. I was feeling like, okay, we're going to have to really figure out how to like put all this into our life in a way that doesn't take over our life, like, you know, in a bad way, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but I feel really optimistic about how we've planned that out and mm-hmm. like really put some good structure around um allotting enough time for each thing that we need to do mm-hmm. in the in the coming month um, specifically. And so that's, I feel really optimistic and that's really great. And, I'm, and, I, and I join you in the excitement of it too because I feel optimistic in that way. So that's that's how I'm feeling. Love it. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And so to recap people, Shannon feels equanimous, which means that she can survive both on land and in water. No, no, that's not <laughs> <laughs> Aqua would be the prefix you were thinking oh, of there. Oh, yeah, no, oh. it's not that. No. Um, how about we fire up the good news machine? I've got some good news to you. I do. What do you have? Okay, here's mine. Okay. So, back up a couple of months. 
Republican legislatures had drawn horribly gerrymandered voting maps in both North Carolina and Pennsylvania. Yes, they've done it in other states too, but yes. Yep. State courts threw those maps out in both of those states a while back. Uh huh. They said, nope, you can't do this. And so, of course, the Republicans appealed to the Supreme Court, you know, hoping that the Supreme Court, being stacked with a bunch of radicals, yeah. right, right-wingers, would be like, ah, you know, sure, gerrymander it. Much to everyone's pleasant surprise, well, maybe not the Republicans, <laughs> the Supreme Court declined this week to block those state court rulings. That's so good. Meaning that those illegally gerrymandered districts, voting maps, mm-hmm. they're out of there. Awesome. They got to redo them properly. That's so good. It's really, really good. That's right. Uh, it's just going to really help us in our fight to keep, keep control the of the house in the yeah. fall. Yeah, that's so, great news. Fingers crossed about that, but it's optimism-inducing news. <sighs> that's good. I'll take it. Yeah, what I'll do you got? It. My good news is related to an issue that we talked about last week. We talked about uh, that horrible new uh, order that the governor of Texas put out to requiring uh, people who report child abuse, like required reporters, mm-hmm. like ch- teachers, doctors, things like that. Yeah, therapists, that whatnot. When, yeah. They, when they are made aware of a child being abused, they have to report it to the state. Yeah, it's called a mandatory report. Yeah, they, this horrible new order that the governor put out there saying that if that, that, that those people are supposed to report if they've discovered that um, there are any parents that are giving their trans child gender-affirming care. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they were trying to qualify that as child abuse. Mm-hmm. And holy cow. But the good news is that uh, a Travis County, Texas judge has temporarily blocked the state from launching those investigations. Good. Those, those quote-unquote child abuse investigations mm-hmm. uh, into the parents of trans youth. This is a, you know, there's a big caveat to this good news, and that is that there are other states that are moving fast forward ahead with their Iowa, own. Iowa, Idaho, Florida, terrible. There's a bill that just passed this, the Idaho state yep. legislature that criminalizes parents giving gender-affirming care to their trans kids. And also... That's con- punishable with prison time up to life. And also <laughs> confusingly, and for sure unenforceably, criminalizes to the in the same statute and to the same degree taking your kid out of state like moving out of state with your kid to a state just, that doesn't have that this bullshit law can't be legal of course not you can't I mean, criminalize someone leaving your state in your state right they would have to be in your state idiots i know i know it's just hateful okay. that's the only point of it is the hate it is, yeah, it's true. This is the good news machine, though. So yeah. we're going to focus on the good news. Yeah, so the, what's, your, what's your good news about at bigots? At least for now, the te- the Travis County, Texas judge has temporarily blocked those investigations good. in Texas. Because, of course, because uh, Travis County is the county that Austin is in, right? And that is, and they're, and they're elected by voters, and it's a super, but, super blue dot in the middle of a red state. It'll probably get overturned at the state level, but hey, one thing at a time. One thing at a We'll see. We'll see. We'll take the good news if we can get it. Yes. So, do you want to get less dumb? Class? Anyone? Anyone? I would love to. Uh, what do we got? I've got two things. Okay, go for it. How many do you have? I have one thing. You have one thing. Okay, I'll do one, and then you do one, and then I'll do one. <laughs> okay, welcome okay. to our production meeting, everybody. Yep. Super, <laughs> super good. So, my first one is just a word that I learned. Oh, great. It's pronoia. Yeah, uh-huh. What so, is pronoia? Pronoia is the opposite of paranoia. <gasps> a paranoid person, as we all know, thinks everyone is conspiring against him or her. Uh-huh. Whereas a pronoid 
person thinks everything is secretly conspiring to help them. Okay, so a paranoid person thinks that everybody's conspiring against them. Mm-hmm. And a pronoid, a pronoid, a person experiencing pronoia, a pronoid person would be thinking that everybody's conspiring to do good for them. Mm-hmm. Which is wonderful. That is wonderful. Can we equally just, unhealthy like, but really great? Is it? I mean, how would he unhealthy to think that way? You've got to imagine that maybe something, it would make you too trusting. Yeah, maybe you just have to imagine that something that they thought of a whole word for can't be good. I, well, there are things that are whole words that are are, always, are good all the time. Yeah, like, but, most, but not all of them appear like in the diagnostic manual. You know, does what this I mean? one appear there? Do you have any idea? Well, one have to imagine it's a medical condition, like paranoia is. Well, is I, I so I wonder. I wonder if there's anybody that actually experiences this or if it's just a word that doesn't actually have like a presence in any like in the physical world in any way. (laughs) Well, it's a very interesting word. And I really, honestly, if you're going to have to choose between the two, I would definitely want to choose the latter, the pronoia, not the paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. So cool word. Great word. I love it. Good word. Very good word. All right. So uh, what's your other thing? No, my other thing's going to oh, go I'm last. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. My, remember our production meeting? I know, I don't remember, obviously. Uh, okay, so mine is, uh, this is where I'm mentioning Timothy Snyder again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, this is this is our Let's Get Less Dumb segment, so this is not meant to be, uh, you know, launching into discussion about Russia, but it is about Russia mm-hmm. in in just in, in the setup of it. But there was something that really made me think about uh, in one of his newsletters that he sent this week that I wanted to bring up and discuss. So he's talking about Russian propaganda and you probably have heard of this that, you know, that the Russian state has like shut down all independent journalism in mm-hmm. Russia. Um, Criminalized calling this a war. Yeah, they cannot, people, people in general, regular everyday folks, not just journalists, it's illegal to call this a war. Mm-hmm. Like people will, people can go to prison for up to like fifteen years you can't for call calling it, this a war. You can't call it anything but a quote military action unquote. A special military operation or some sort of social military action. Yeah, military action. Yeah. Um. So the propaganda is just crazy town. And like, like off, like officials, like officers mm-hmm. of the state are starting to randomly check citizens' phones. We learned this today. Are you serious? Uh, they're just like, hey, let me look at your phone. They'll look through your texts, they'll look through your telegrams, and if you're talking with any of your friends about the war going on, they'll just take you away. Oh, my God. It's really wild. Wow. Wow. But, but anyway. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, it's it's working in, in some regard. Of course the propaganda. I was reading an article that just broke my heart. Authoritarianism is morning. super effective. Yeah, but this morning I read, read this, was it, yeah, this article about how you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of um, relationship between Ukraine and Russia. There's yeah. a lot of people who who live in Ukraine who have family in Russia. It's mm-hmm. a very interconnected yeah. region of the world. And I read this article about how there are a lot of folks in Ukraine who are experiencing shelling of their cities, mm-hmm. seeing people dying in the streets at the hand of Russian military, yeah. and being unable to convince their immediate family, fathers, brothers, sisters in Russia that it's actually a war. Like the family the family members in Russia just don't believe them. It's wild. That they're actually being attacked by Russia. It's, it is absolutely mind-blowing. And it broke my heart. It's like, like, it's like where Fox News is headed. Yes. Oh, this is why I think I felt such a, like a visceral reaction to that 
was that like I have seen what Fox News has done to people I love mm -hmm. in my family. Mm -hmm. They have been just led to believe absolute bullshit mm -hmm. and are living as a result in this reality that is not, not reality. A reality. Yeah. And this is what this is what Timothy Snyder had to say this week. This is really just it made me think, and I don't even know really what I think about this, but it just was really an interesting perspective. Mm about this idea of propaganda. You know, that, that Russia is, is is putting out this, this alternative reality, much like Fox News does, right? Like that whole thing. And he says here, we're being invited to participate in the generation of nonsense. When we repeat contradictory and perverse arguments, like the propaganda is, we commit part of our minds to them mm -hmm. and start to become less reasonable ourselves. Mm-hmm. I just that last that sentence when we when we repeat those perverse arguments and commit part of our minds to them we start to become less reasonable ourselves and I just it made me think like what how have I engaged with this idea of propaganda here in the United States in a way that Even has just like just entertaining it in discussion or rebutting it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure how, what the mechanism of this is, but I, but I really value Timothy Snyder's opinion on this stuff, and he has studied it. He goes on to say nothing that the Kremlin has said about Russian war, about Russian war aims, actually mm -hmm. makes any sense, but it does make nonsense. The war on the ground in Ukraine is all too real, but the Russian war is also fought in and for unreality to extend its hold on our minds as far as possible. Mm -hmm. When unreality spreads, reality becomes more murderous. Yeah, right. And I just, you know, we, I, 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 do, not, I do not know why, well, I do know why, <laughs> but it's really unconscionable that we here in the United States put up with the unreality that we have allowed to spread in this country. Yeah. We've we've given it just too much welcome here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I understand free speech and all that, right? But like like and, and I don't say and all that to minimize free speech. It's it's vitally important. Um but I I just I, like what do we do about that? What do we do about allowing cuz really when you can when you can convince people that there is no uh, agree uh, like uh, there is no reality upon which we can all agree then there are no rules there are no rules like you can just pretty much say whatever you want and do whatever you want which is exactly what Putin's doing right like he's making up the reality he's making up an unreality that Ukraine is run by Nazis and really Russia is just going in to rescue their brethren by bombing the crap out of them. I don't understand how that works, but he's making up a bunch of stuff, mm -hmm. making his whole country believe it by blocking out all other sources of, of information. And as a result, like the reason he's what he's able to do in in creating that unreality is he's he's able to go and and create mass destruction mm -hmm. in Ukraine, you know? So I, it just made me, it made me really think like, how, how do we, how do we stop that unreality from poisoning us? You know, you have a thought? Well, yeah. I mean, 
this used to be something that was baked into broadcasting. There was this oh, thing called yeah. the, there was this thing called the Fairness Doctrine uh-huh. that was part of the FCC's mandate. It was introduced in 1949, and it was killed, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, in the Reagan administration <laughs> because it was a key part of the, the this new form of conservatism that kind of came to a head, really started and flourishing with Reagan, yeah. and whose effects we're still living in. The point of it was to strip government of any possible role in making things be true or fair or knowable, mm. you know? So the fairness doctrine, what was the... What was, what was it's the complicated. <laughs> okay. <But laughs> the basic deal, uh, the basic deal of the, of the fairness doctrine, uh, it was a policy that required uh, people who had broadcast licenses to do two things. One, to present controversial issues of... of public importance, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. first of all, to to talk about them. Okay. You couldn't do the thing that happens on Fox where you just don't talk about certain things. Okay. You know? Right. Like there's whole parts of the political discussion in our country that don't get covered on Fox News. Right. Which is a way of covering them, right? Right. It's a way to create unreality, like right. you're talking yes. about. By just saying, well, just by not even acknowledging that it's a thing that's existing. Right. Right? A certain topic. You right. can just whitewash it away. And the other thing that people with broadcast licenses were required to do was to present said issues of public importance in a manner that fairly reflected differing viewpoints. Okay. That's why it was called the fairness doctrine, Mm -hmm. right? Like you couldn't do what people have been doing on right-wing media ever since 1987. Like Mm -hmm. people couldn't do Fox News in 1987, but now they can. They can just be completely partisan and just lie about stuff. Right. It used to be that at least you had to, in a good faith way, present a differing viewpoint, the the opposing viewpoint, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The point was to have kind of like a A balanced thing, which is why Fox's uh, assumed slogan (laughs) of fair and balanced, remember that in the 90s? They used to have, yeah. Yeah, that was just galling. Well, again, it's, it's saying something that's unreal, and then just doing whatever the hell they want. It's, it's the same move, right? Like yeah. we're going to say something f- fake, say something false, and then just proceed with what we ever want to do. It's Putin's same move, right? Like, but not violently. Well, you could yeah. argue that it, their broadcasting has resulted in a lot of violence. Actually. Oh my god, so much, <laughs> yeah. so much. Yeah, and there are direct, I mean, ties. Like this was all like in the same way that repealing the Voting Rights Act in the 2013, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Shelby versus Holder decision. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. Um, like the, the Shelby decision made it so that basically the Voting Rights Act was gutted. And the instant it happened, mm-hmm. all of these conservative states started doing quote-unquote voter IDs, voter ID laws. They were doing voter right? suppression laws. Voter suppression laws, mm-hmm. right. In the exact same kind of way, like the Fairness Doctrine was repealed in 1987. Mm. And in, uh, in 1988, uh, a former ABC radio executive named Egg McLaughlin signed Rush Limbaugh. Oh my God. You know, it was, that's it was when like that immediately. All started. That's when all that started. Wow. And that was the first. That's why Rush so, Limbaugh was so venerated by all these old school Republicans. Right. That's why I got the, the Medal of Freedom for, by Trump. Ugh, Remember that? That was disgusting. It was disgusting. But he was the first. He was the first person to go out there with this vitriolic, uh, divisive, vicious, completely mm-hmm. unfiltered, mm-hmm. one sided completely biased and mm-hmm. also totally inaccurate mm-hmm. perspective on things. Right. He literally couldn't do that before. It was against the law. Right. Wow. So we could do something about so we this. Could, that's my point. We could reinstate you were asking, the fairness doctrine. What could we do about this? Yeah, we could reinstate the fairness doctrine. Well, let's do that. Right. Jeez. Yeah. I just and then that's that's something that we you know we as a society ought to do. Obviously, I wonder how this applies in our like. I wonder does this mean like if if somebody who if somebody's trying to engage me in a conversation 
where they're just spouting unreal, like un, like they're 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 spouting an unreality. Mm-hmm. What do I do? And that is it. Is it best for me to just not entertain that discussion at all and be like, nope, not having this talk. That's unreal. Moving on. Like, I wonder if that's what that means. I think acknowledging it is important. Yeah. Right? Because you know that that kind of person, yeah. if you're just like, I'm not talking about this with you, you're like, I won. That's how they would think about it. Like, right, They would right, be like, right. I won this conversation. Yeah. And I think that probably the best thing to do is to not dwell, but to forcefully say something to the effect of, that's a lie, and I'm not talking with you yeah. about this. Yeah, you know, that's, that's Or that's, something... like you said, that's unreal. Yeah. And I'm not talking with you further about this. Yeah, I have had, I, have, I, I made that that sort of, that same sort of standard for myself on social media a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's improved my life tremendously. Um, but, you know, there, was, there were a lot of, a lot of opportunities to exercise that boundary <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the pandemic and also during the, like, the, the 2020 racial justice awakening, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because there, there was a lot of talk about those issues online and a lot of people with some pretty awful ideas about those issues. And, you know, I realized that, like, first of all, engaging in debates with people who are dedicated to an unreality is completely futile. Like, there is just no point in trying to convince somebody who's mm-hmm. convinced of some conspiracy theory. Like, they, they have gone down that rabbit hole and I am not going to be the one to pull them out. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what would be the thing to get them out, but it's not going to be me. And also, when it comes to social media, you know, giving oxygen to a conversation like that only benefits the unreality. And I think that's what Timothy Snyder maybe is saying here too. Like Mm -hmm. when we allow that unreality to occupy more space in the world, it gains power. And we have, we have, we have contributed to this unreasonableness, (laughs) you know, Um, you know, I, I didn't, I, I definitely see how that plays out in sort of the world of social media. I can, but I'm, I'm, it's interesting to think about how, when I have engaged those conversations in the past, Mm -hmm how maybe that has affected my own personal reasonableness or unreasonableness. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, like, if you go into crazy land, that makes you more crazy. Yeah, that's an interesting, yeah, yeah, wow. Anyway, that, it really made me think, and I wanted to share that with y'all and talk about it for a minute. I feel less dumb. Thanks, Sugar. (laughs) Do you have another item for us? I do, and mine actually has a little bit of good news machine in it. Oh, that's great. It's like a twofer. I love it. It's like a nesting Russian doll, but in good ways. Okay, good. Yeah, so uh, the good news part is that Congress just passed a bill to help stabilize the post office. Oh, that's good. Oh, my God. No, you don't understand how good it is. Okay. So here is... uh, Here's what this is. This couldn't. Well, it could have worked out better. It could always work out better. But it's great. It okay. worked out so great. Okay. But the reason I'm putting this in, let's get less dumb, is because okay. I think it's really important to understand why the post office was in such a financially precarious place to begin with. Oh, okay. okay? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I want to go a little bit into the wayback machine. All right. We're going back to 2006. So you have to keep in mind that the Republican project, as far as government services and goods. Uh, I mean, going back decades and decades and decades has been that... Wrecking ball. Yes, that's it, <laughs> wrecking ball. That, that the government shouldn't do good things for people, that all of those good things, that the, any good thing that the government is currently doing should be quote-unquote privatized, meaning it should be taken away from the government and sold, given to like... A for-profit company. A for-profit company. You see, we saw this in Los Angeles. They took the HOV lanes mm-hmm. and they sold them to a for-profit company. And then all of a sudden you couldn't ride in the HOV lanes unless you had that private company's uh, transponder thing in your car. Right. Which you had to pay 
like <sighs> a monthly fee for whether you use it at all or not. Yeah, it was it yeah, was just horseshit. Terrible. And of course, it keeps poor people from using the HOV lane. And right. who commutes the furthest and the most? Poor people. Right. It's just, and this is always how it works. It yep. always makes the service less good and more beneficial to rich people mm-hmm. and less beneficial to the poor people who need it the most. Mm-hmm. Because that's how the Republican idea of government is. It should just be a vehicle to further advance the interests of the rich. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So, to that end, something that Congress likes to do a lot when it's controlled by Republicans is that they like to mess with the budgets and the budget processes of like parts of government agencies that do good things for people. Uh. They have wanted to wreck the post office for literally decades because it's appalling to them, right? It's it's been going on for like, you know, a quarter of a millennium at this point, right? Like Ben Franklin invented the post office before this was a country. You know what I mean? And... It's been going on for literally 250 years, like mm-hmm. a, f- a free service. I mean, you pay for the stamp or whatever, right. but it's just it's, taken care of. The infrastructure is there. You can get anything anywhere in it's the country. It's so affordable. It is so affordable. Yeah. It's a public good. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. And also, it totally enables so much of what they like alleged to prize the most, which is small business people. Yeah, totally. Which is just horseshit. They don't really actually give a shit about small business people. They just like venerate them to accomplish like Their shady- corporatist goals. Corporatist goals. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. So- In 2006, Congress passed a law called the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act. (laughs) It could be against accountability and enhancement, right? (laughs) And what this law did was it imposed extraordinary costs on the U.S. Postal Service. Mm -hmm. Specifically, it required the Postal Service to create a fund, like Mm -hmm. a separate bank account kind of thing, in which, from their profits, they would pre-fund healthcare retirement costs for their employees Mm -hmm. 75 years into the future. (laughs) 75 years into the future. Uh, This was utterly unique. There was no similar burden applied to literally any other federal agency or private corporation at all. They literally just said, Post office and post office only. No other government agency, no one else at all in the world. Yeah. Post office and post office only has to pre-fund its retire it, its it, retired employees mm-hmm. retired employees healthcare fund seventy five years in the future. That was like a seventy two billion dollar fund that they had to create out of nothing. So of course this imposed this is horrible financial burden on the post right. office. The post office was running at a small profit and had been for over like I think a century, uh-huh. and all of a sudden it was operating at a loss every single year because, because of, this of law. his own burden. And of course, then Republican legislators could turn around and say, see, the post office is operating at a loss every single year. They need to get their shit together. Yeah. We need to privatize yeah. them. Uh. Private private companies could do this better. Right? Uh. So like, that's the Republican playbook always, right? Yeah. Like you cripple the essential government service and then it's you- It's doing great things for yeah, people. And then you point to it and go, well, see, it's crippled. It's not working well. <laughs> we got to get rid of this. Right. Like you wreck it from the inside out. It's so, so cynical. Yeah. But- This bill that literally just passed yesterday Mm -hmm. uh, ends the requirement that the Postal Service has to pre-fund the workers' health care benefits. It just ends it. It completely fucking ends it. It's done. Wow. Which means that it can just operate like a normal company again, like it hasn't been able to for the last 16 years. Not a company, but a normal normal government agency. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. It's unbelievably cool. And not only that. uh, So basically, instead, the Postal Service now just requires future retired employees to enroll in Medicare. Because... Hello, we already have a thing that our government does to take care of retired people's health care. Yes. So they just enroll in Medicare, and the post office will simply, going forward, just pay any additional costs that aren't covered. Oh, my gosh. If there's a difference between what you owe and what Medicare covers, the post office pays for it, and that's all. 
That's... It's going to save them billions and billions and oh billions of dollars. That's all. But it doesn't stop there. Oh, oh. Also, um, the post, it written into the bill is okay. that there is not going to be any cutback in service. It's going to be full 60-a-week service at the previous level that we were all used to enjoying before uh, DeJoy got in there. Yeah. And, and started uh, just decimating the post office from the inside. And also, it's written into the bill that nothing is going to be privatized. Oh, that's fantastic. It is fantastically good news. Oh, my gosh. But also... You know, in terms of the getting less dumb part of it, I just think it's okay. really important for everyone listening to understand that this is how Republican legislators mm-hmm. try to erode first public services mm-hmm. and then secondarily trust in public services mm-hmm. and by extension trust in the very government itself. Yeah. Government can do good things for people like the post office. Right. If it's not <laughs> being intentionally crippled and undermined on purpose right. by right-wing radical legislators. Right. Yeah. That's wow. it. That's, well, thank you for the good news and for the history lesson about the post office. I know. It's I, really exciting. Yeah. Because, like, oddly, I'm old enough to remember when they did this to the post office in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was within my, like, I've been sober since even before yeah. then. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I didn't pay so much good attention to this kind of stuff before I got sober. But after I got sober, I started becoming much sure. more civically yeah, minded. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember in 2006 when they passed this and being like, that's really messed up. This is going to do bad things. Yeah, and that the post office has managed to hold on in such a plucky way. I mean, they're just they're they're like the Ukraine of <laughs> like government agencies. They're indefatigable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every post person that I've ever met and talked with, some of whom know a whole lot about this stuff. They seem mm. like a really well educated workforce mm. on the issues that face their their mm. their, their organization. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I've had multiple conversations with them, and they're like, "We're going to get it done. It's all good. I'm working extra hours. We got this." Yeah, you know? yeah, it's really cool. Like there's a good esprit de corps. Like you can really tell that they value their Man, job. Man, we could do we could do that in so many other sectors of oh, our yeah. society. Oh, like yeah. we really could. We really could. Uh let's do more of that. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah, yeah. it's really great. So uh super good. Yes. Happy to hear it. So I believe that we have one potential entry for Where's My Gold Star? And I believe this entry comes from one Shannon Curtis. What you got, Sugar? Okay, I'm requesting a gold star today. Uh-huh. You're going to laugh at me. Okay. Okay. So I, a few weeks back, downloaded this game onto my phone. Yes. I don't yes, have, you did. I don't have any games on my phone. I have this one game on my phone now. And it's it's this game where you have the, you have a grid. Like a square grid. Like a, a grid divided into, you know, boxes. And, and in, in some of those boxes, there are colored dots, uh, two of each color. Mm-hmm. And your job is to connect those colored dots to with to the other dot of its same color without crossing paths with another connection. So you're kind of like, it's kind of like laying pipe, mm-hmm. you know, in this grid mm-hmm. from color to color. And so you've got to figure out how to lay the pipe in a way that, you know, it so all... you can get them all connected without anyone crossing anyone else. Exactly. And sometimes they're really convoluted, twisty paths. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. So it starts off easy and yes. it's like it's a grid of like five by five and you know mm-hmm. it's easy to do that. Uh it goes up to I I'm now in a in a a level where it's like twelve by twelve Whoa. and like lots of dots and it's it's yeah. less it's less easy. Uh-huh. But I'm but I'm requesting a gold star for the fact that over the weekend uh the little game showed me that I have made uh that I have played 1,000 perfect score plays in this game. Whoa. So what that means is I've played a lot more games than that. <laughs> but wow. But 1,000 times in just the last few weeks, I have 
done it perfectly, meaning that I have not made any moves that I had to go back and undo. Like I've done it, I've chosen the correct path for each pipe the first, the first time try. correctly. Wow. So a thousand, a thousand times wow. I have done this perfectly. Um, and so I'm requesting a gold star, but it's really not for the the game itself because uh-huh. like I literally got a gold star from the game when that happened it was like popped up on my screen like Great. there was a star Great. it says congratulations you've Great. done this perfectly what I'm really requesting a gold star for is like that's a lot of plays that's mm-hmm. a lot of me spending time playing this game on my phone mm-hmm. um, but I've been playing it in moments when I need to rest and mm-hmm. so mostly on weekends mostly Sometimes, some occasionally in between activities when I need, need a little like brain reset. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, what I want a gold star for is that it's I've been doing a good job, I think, of actually choosing activities that actually help me rest. Like I'm not scrolling Twitter in those mm-hmm. moments. I'm mm-hmm. not doing something that's amping me up, or like it, it's this little fun little game that requires some brain effort. Like I do it in moments when like I I want to engage my brain, but I don't feel like I have enough of like uh, reserves to like get into a book. Like mm-hmm. it feels like that feels like too much mm-hmm. to take on sometimes, sure. you know? Got to get into a whole world. You got to ramp up. Yes. But like engaging in this thing that requires a little bit of activity for my brain, little dopamine hits when I, when I get a, past a level, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's been good for me. And like, <laughs> so it, it's sort of silly. I understand it's silly. And I, you know, it, it is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a phone game. It's a computer game, you know? Yeah. But I do actually feel really good about the fact that I have chosen this activity for the last few weeks as a way to act. It really does calm me. It really does make me feel like I'm resting. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a little bit fun, but not too exciting. And and it's calming and restful. And so I, you're requesting a gold star for self-care. Yeah. Granted. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, yes. Well, why don't we move on to the Inspiration Station? Inspiration Station. Let's. Um, what have you got for Inspiration Station? I have a quote and then the idea that it makes me think about. Okay. So it's a quote uh, by Albert Camus. Who's that? He was a thinker. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a you know philosopher, writer, French. Um, he said a long time ago, and it's still completely applicable mm-hmm. because you know this isn't the first time in history that countries have confronted fascism. Right. <laughs> and he said, I should like to be able to love my country and still love justice. Oh, I say that again. I should like to be able to love my country and still love justice. All right. Right? What does that mean to you? What it means to me is that patriotism shouldn't only be the province of right-wingers. And we got to take that shit back. Okay. That's what I got out of that. Okay. This idea, like, for some reason in the popular dialogue, it seems like the only people waving flags for the last, like, 10 or so years are these horrible, toxic, far-right-wingers mm-hmm. driving around with, like, a Trump flag and an American flag and a mm-hmm. Confederate flag all in your fucking mm-hmm. truck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it almost feels, I know that I have expressed in the past, particularly like in the Trump era, that it just, there was a period of time where it seemed like anytime I saw an American flag, it was like, that person's a racist. (laughs) Yeah. That's a fucked up thing to think. And you know what? I think it's possible to both 
understand that your country is not in the best place it could be and that there are a lot of people in it trying to take it in the wrong direction and that it could be doing a lot better. Mm -hmm. And also still to love your country, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. and, and to love it, maybe even not as much for where it currently is, but for the ideal, right. perhaps un, unfulfilled, of what it could be, the promise of what it could be. Right. You know, and I really am starting to feel like I want to start figuring out how to take that back for myself. Mm. Because I don't think that patriotism should only be reserved for right-wingers. I don't think that patriotism should, by definition, mean conservatism. I no. don't think that patriotism should mean racism. I don't think that patriotism should mean small-mindedness and bigotry. Right. Well, I think a lot of people who uh, identify with that sort of like conservative patriotism, they hear people who are willing to honestly look at the history of the United States and the, the problems, the problematic nature of our history, mm -hmm. the fact that we were founded on the institution of chattel slavery. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. You know, the, 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 and, and even some of the current problematic pieces of our country, you mm -hmm. know, the fact of our sort of colonialistic, imperialistic tendencies around the world, mm -hmm. you know, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. But I think that the people who, who, who identify with that more conservative patriotism hear those criticisms. It's not even criticisms. I mean, it is criticisms. They hear, it's holding to account. They hear, they hear people holding the nation to account on the problematic parts mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And they say that's unpatriotic, which is horseshit. And I think that it's the, the most patriotic. That's really where the definition needs to be changed yeah. because it's it's it is it's subservience to just it's 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 a it's a monarchy if or, or or like it's a you know worship at all costs. The word you're looking you know, for is bootlicking. <laughs> if if you can't actually see the faults in something and want to have it better. I think that's where this quote really is inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. Is that I want to love my country and also to love justice. Yeah. Like like. I want to see, you know, I want to I want to look at the ideals put forth in the Declaration of Independence and that all men are created equal. Yeah. Uh and and realize that that's a that's a really great statement and that is a really awesome ideal. Yeah. And also through the lens of justice and for for a love of justice to be able to see that we have not yet lived up to yeah. That idea. Where we have room for improvement. We have room for improvement, and so we can do both. Yeah. Maybe. That's really, yeah, that's exactly it. You know, those of us who honestly do believe in justice for all people should have as much of a right to love our country mm -hmm. as the people who don't. Mm -hmm. Arguably, in my mind, maybe even more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, we talked about this on a few episodes back when I, I was reading the first chapter of the 1619 Project, the book version of it that came out uh, late last year. And, you know, one of the arguments that the opening essay was talking about was the fact that in many ways, black Americans have, have, have been the leaders of this cause. Of course. This, this, the, the leaders of perfecting our union. Yeah. Because they've had, historically speaking, some, the most at stake. Something yeah. historians call the shit end of the stick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seriously but, though, like but, all the wrongs that have been visited upon them are the things that need to be fixed to make the union more right. perfect. And, but the, because of that, they are the ones who have led, who have led us yeah. toward more justice for all. That's right. And um, yeah, that's, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Really I was cool. talking about this with my uh, childhood best friend, still best friend, Alexi. Oh yeah. Uh, and he, so he has worked in politics his whole life. Right. He currently works for the State Department, you know, um, or like it's complicated, but basically, <laughs> basically state. Um, 
And his comment about all this, specifically versus the struggle between mm. like those of us who are more interested in justice, i.e. Democrats, mm -hmm. and those of us who are less interested in justice, i.e. Republicans, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and he says uh, about that divide, he says, it's an unfair fight when one party wants to enlighten and the other wants to breed contempt through mythology. Mm -hmm. And humans are so hardwired for the latter. Man. So it's a point well taken, yeah. right? Like the fight toward justice is necessarily always going to be an uphill fight because in a lot of ways, like as, as he points out, it's a fight against the basest elements of our human nature. Mm. It's a fight against mythology. Mm -hmm. It's a fight toward like a mo much more abstract set of ideals, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's hard to do. Oh, yeah. It's much easier to make people feel fear than to feel inspired. Yeah. Another way to oh, say it. For sure. And I the idea that we are much more inclined to mythology. I mean, this is why this is why a lot of people, I'm not saying all people, this is why a lot of people are drawn to religion. It is a, a myth that explains lots of things that you don't have to then think about anymore or yep. feel tension about. Yep. You know, um You've got but, answers, you can move on. Yeah. Uh, you know, but we we accept we accept myths about ourselves for the similar kinds of reasons, though. You know, mm -hmm. like we can develop a myth about our own existence that absolves us from having to actually look squarely at ourselves, mm. you know, um, as individuals and as a society, you know, like, uh, but that that fight against myth, it, it ties back into the conversation we were having about Putin and propaganda. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you offer a story that, that diffuses discomfort for somebody, well, yeah, they're going to be drawn to that. Sure. Makes things easier for them. <laughs> yeah. Don't have to think about it. Check a box, move on. Yeah, but we, like this, it just seems to be a reminder that like in order to, um, in order to, 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 re to fight against that tendency in society, mm -hmm. we need to be willing to mm, look at the, the, look at the myths that we've believed. Sure. And undo, you know what I mean? Like yep. I, I saw this, um, uh, it was a teaser for a Brene Brown podcast. And it's a thought that I, 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 my, I, my eyes like lit up on it because it's a thought that I have had independently before. Mm -hmm. But she was asking the question and I think she had a discussion with one of her guests about the idea that um, in order to heal the world, do we first have to heal ourselves? Yeah. And I think that there's something to that. You know, Obviously. like let's keep yes. doubling down on the work of not diffusing the discomfort that we may feel and just latching on to whatever story makes us feel good. Let's do the work. Let's get inside ourselves and let's get inside what we think about ourselves and, and you know, and find actual healing. And then let's do that work as a society too. Yeah. Let's actually look squarely at who we are yeah. and what we need to be doing better. Yeah. You know? And let's take the flag back in the process. Okay. You know, to bring this full circle. Yeah. Let's make it be something that people who are progressive, that people who are actually working for justice and care about justice can be proud of again. Yeah. You know? I like that. I like it too. Get me a goddamn flag shirt. <laughs> True religion or something. It's going to be good. Great. Hell yeah. Well, I have a, um, a a quote for our Inspiration Station section today too. What you got? Um, and it's just something that I saw uh, somebody posting on Twitter earlier this week that was just lovely. And um, it, it was a tweet by this uh, person. She's a journalist. Uh, her name is Megan K. Stack. Uh, and she, but she wasn't posting about journalism. What's her last name? K stack or is her middle initial K? Middle initial K. Got it. Um, <laughs> she was just from her personal life. She says, at bedtime, the eight-year-old told me 
His teacher said, Think of your mind like a pond full of fish, and each fish is a feeling. Try to be the pond, not the fish. Wow. <laughs> and I thought, I would go back to elementary school if there were more lessons like that. Like, Seriously, just a little, a gentle little <laughs> Buddhist undercurrent there. It's Man. like it's like Buddhism for third graders. It is, but what a wonderful way of thinking about that. Absolutely. Try to be the pond, not the fish. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. So shall we close out today with a gratitude crank up? I've got something to you. I do. I've got, I've got a couple things, actually. Okay, you do one, then I'll do one, then you can finish. All right. Um, so my first one that I put down here is that I just feel really grateful this week in particular that I get to make music with you. Oh, You're on my list. Stop it some more. I just really, I really love it. Like, I, I think I love you and too. I make a good team. Mm-hmm. And I feel really proud of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. And I just, I know that... I don't take for granted the fact that I have you as a partner, mm. not just in my life. That is a whole big thing I'm grateful for too, mm-hmm. but specifically in, in the area of music. Like I, it's really, really freaking cool yeah. that I get to work with you. And well, for me too, yeah. So I'm grateful for that. How about you? Oh, thanks, Sugar. That's very meaningful. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm grateful that I have some cool music work, Mm -hmm. you know? Your record is amazing. I'm so enjoying it for all those exact same reasons you just touched on. I've also got this record starting with Ben. I've got a couple other cool things, just littler things sort of coming up in the next few weeks also. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just busy right now. And all of it's good and all of it's stuff that I enjoy. I feel very grateful for that. And I also feel... uh, grateful, just, I feel like I'm in a really solid place with my music producing practice. Mm -hmm. I just feel like I've got my arms around where I'm at right Mm -hmm. now. There's nothing I hear in my head that I can't get to. There's nothing that I want to accomplish that I can't figure out how or have to like settle for a second best version of. I just feel like I'm pretty connected right now to what I am aiming at, you know? Mm -hmm. It's good. That's great. Yeah. My second gratitude item um, is that... uh, It's a general statement, but I will link it back to uh, an experience from this last weekend. We had some time with some of our dearest friends Mm -hmm. this last weekend. And on the drive home... um, We were masked, people. We were being (laughs) safe. We hung out outdoors. (laughs) Um, On the drive home, I just was filled with this just overwhelming sensation of joy in that experience. And I was trying to kind of like get down to the the root of why I felt so great. Like, why did it feel so good to be with them? And I, what I came up with was that these two people are an example of, this is true for a lot of people in our lives. There, there, there is a, a, a large handful of people for whom I could say this is also true. But in their presence, I feel like I am able to be fully and unreservedly myself. Like I can show up as fully Shannon mm-hmm. in the way that I want to show up. And I feel completely accepted. Mm-hmm. And I feel that this relationship is one that is mutually supportive. Like mm-hmm. I, I really feel like like I care about them as much as they care about me. And yeah. it is that is realized in our conversations and in our, in our you know, in the the... the the um, substance of of when we're hanging out together, you mm-hmm. know, like that is obvious that we mutually care for one another and support one another, mm-hmm. and and that they just they just feel like kindred spirits. And I, I am so grateful to have friends like that in my life. Like mm-hmm. 
it feels like um, being with them energizes me, makes me feel loved. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a wonderful thing to have people in my life who uh, are that for me and and for whom I hope I am also that for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was a convoluted sentence I just said there, but I think you get my drift. Um, Pretty sure I'm tracking with you. Yeah, just really grateful for good, good friends. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, I feel the same way about these friends of ours, too. It's a, a valuable thing in my life. Yeah, and like I said, there are others besides these two, but yep. it was a great example of that, and it was wonderful. So Love it. Yeah. So thank you for listening this week. Friends, thanks for tuning into the Misfit Stars podcast. Get yourself, do two things. What? Get yourself to shannoncurtis.net slash store. Get yourself some swag. Uh, We have t-shirts. All this is older stuff, you know, from previous years, uh, album cycles. But we've got cool t-shirts, excellent tote bags, uh, music. We have like a vinyl bundle for like five LPs from 2015, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Mm -hmm. Those five years records on vinyl for $60 total is 12 Mm -hmm. bucks a slab. Like usually it's minimally 20 per. It's a tremendously good deal. So, uh, you know, that's the thing you can get. Uh, There's CDs. There's just other stuff, random cool other stuff. Go get yourself stuff. You can enjoy it. It will, uh, like, brighten your day. It's a weird time right now. This will give you an opportunity not to engage with the toughness for a moment, just to, like, lose yourself in cool art stuff. And by doing so, every single dollar you spend there, we're just going to turn around and give directly to this pot of money that we're building to send to Razom to support uh, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And it's really important. We're doing what we can. You know, it feels... I wish we could do so much more. I know that everyone listening to this probably does as well. But, you know, if we aggregate little bits of support like this, we can send a chunk that way. That's right. And we know that other people in the world are doing similar things. Yeah. We're doing our little bit. So, shannoncurtis.net slash store. The second thing you can do is you can also support our work mm-hmm. at misfitstars.com slash support. We would be so grateful for you doing that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with more. Uh, but until then, please... Take really good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. We'll see you soon. See ya.